Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, welcome into the latest edition of the show before the show podcast, the official podcast of minor league baseball. The month of March has arrived. We got spring training games underway. We're less than uh, a month really from opening day uh, across the spectrum of baseball, minor league opening day coming up in April as well. And uh, we are, we're ready. We're rolling. Tyler Mon, Benjamin Hill in New York city, Sam Dykstra sitting by a pool somewhere in Florida, ordering drinks and, you know, making up that he's doing work he's not he's not with us on this week's episode to defend himself so we're just going to project that as what sam's doing at the grapefruit league that is what sam's doing tyler Um, absolutely what sam's doing you hear those stories you know about like you know the damage that led zeppelin caused at hotels in in the 70s that's kind of what sam dykstra's doing his version of that and uh throughout the grapefruit league right now Riding motorcycles through the hallways, yeah, throwing throwing bureaus off of patios into yeah. the pool, lighting things on fire. We're just left to pick up the slack and exactly handle this podcast. It's really, uh, it's pretty amazing that we have, you know, gone so long without alerting the general public to just what a menace Sam Dykstra truly is. Um, but you know, there's uh, there's a time and a place for everything, and and we had to we had to tell the public. We did, and we we chose a time when he's not around, and thousands of miles away from both of us for our safety, <laughs> for our own safety. Um, well, welcome into this week's episode of the show. Before the show, we are really excited. We have a uh, a very uh, different episode for you this week and something that we are going to start doing going forward uh in 2023 and beyond in which we're going to bring you sort of an episode a month in which we operate based on a theme uh whether it's you know uh unique minor league fans or unique things about minor league towns or uh whatever it is and this week on uh, our first one of these episodes of the show before the show uh I'm going to let uh, Benjamin Hill lay down the uh, the concept for us, because this is going to be a fun one, especially leading into the season. This is the perfect way to get people ready for 2023. That's right. I mean, Tyler, like you said, we're about a month out from opening day. And uh, all through minor league baseball, um, there are many examples of this. There are ballpark renovations going on. Uh, of course, ballpark renovations uh, are a common thing because ballparks, once they get to be a certain age, need to be renovated in some way, shape or form. Uh, in order to still be functional. But uh, the number of renovations going on right now uh, is much more than in the past. And there's a reason for that is because when Major League Baseball, uh, you know, took over minor league baseball prior to the 21 season, um, they instituted a more strict set of guidelines for uh, player facility standards. And a lot of them, you know, have to do with um, standards related to player development and club personnel um, you know, think mandates related to, you know, the length of batting cages and weight rooms and food preparation spaces, female locker rooms and uh, all sorts of things like that. But then also, I think a lot of teams doing renovations, uh, in addition to doing some of the stuff that's mandated, are using this opportunity 
to say like, hey, well, if we're doing this, what else can we do? What else do we have the money or the bandwidth to take on right now? So uh, there's a lot of uh, fan related or fan facing amenities uh, taking part all taking place all around minor league baseball as well. And uh, we're going to see a lot more renovations uh, heading into 2024 and 2025, because that's the cutoff date that teams have to get their facilities all the way in line with the current set of standards um, stipulated by Major League Baseball that are uh, part of the uh, PDL licenses that all the minor league teams have. That stands for professional development leagues. So with all that, all these renovations going on, you know, we wanted to go to the source and figure out and uh, learn more about, you know, what these teams are doing, um, how they go about it, things to look forward to. And to that end, I've spoken with five minor league baseball executives whose ballparks are currently right now, as we speak in the midst of receiving upgrades and renovations. Uh, So our guest list for today's episode, as it were, is Jim Jarecki, the vice president and general manager of the West Michigan Whitecaps, who are the high a Detroit Detroit Tigers affiliate. They play at LMCU Ballpark. I think that's a pretty recent uh, you know, corporate name, but that ballpark opened in 1994. And that's a multi-phase renovation taking place over the next several seasons. We have Rob Zerjav, also in the Midwest League, as the president, CEO, and managing partner of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the high A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. They play at Fox City Stadium, and that opened in 1995. We also have Andrew Nelson, director of client fulfillment. For the Reading Fightin' Phils, double A Philadelphia affiliate, of course, and they play at First Energy Stadium, which opened in 1951. And we have Scott Strickland, the assistant general manager of operations for the Durham Bulls, Triple A Tampa affiliate. They play at Durham Bulls Athletic Park, the DBAP, which opened in 1995. And finally, last but not least, Dan Mason, general manager of the Rochester Red Wings. AAA Washington Nationals affiliate. They play at the newly renamed Innovative Field. It used to be Frontier Field, and that ballpark opened in 1997. So you're going to be hearing from all five of those individuals throughout the course of the episode. We will, uh, you know, do our best to make it clear who's talking when. And uh, we start off with a question. All the questions were asked, the same set of questions were asked to everybody, and we'll go through all those questions. Um, but the first set of questions is, uh, you know, real basic. Why are your renovations taking place? Why now? What are you doing? We'll uh, get right into that right now. And we'll start with Rob Zerjav, the president and CEO managing partner of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Why are renovations taking place at your ballpark? For the player development license agreement with Major League Baseball, every team is under undergoing some sort or will be going undergoing some sort of uh, renovation to the stadium, specifically around the baseball amenities, player amenities, um, and we're the same. Our stadium was built in 95 and uh, it's hard to believe it's going on almost 30 years old. And uh, our visiting clubhouse really didn't meet any of the any of the requirements that Major League Baseball was asking for. And so what we're looking to do is take our visiting club, put them in our home clubhouse, which met all of the requirements. And we're building an entirely new home clubhouse off of our visiting clubhouse, um, repurposing some of the visiting spaces into uh, female locker rooms, into new umpire locker rooms. And uh, basically a lot of things going on in that new home clubhouse, um, including a double batting cage, uh, expanded weight room, uh, player commissary, a player lounge area. We're doing a, a round locker room for the players. 
Um, we actually have exceeded the, the, the requirements that Major League Baseball has set. Um, we feel really good about, about what we've got going on in that home clubhouse. Really, our hope is that we're going to have the best home club, clubhouse in minor league baseball. Uh, but I guess we'll see. And again, it's always keeping up with the Joneses. So maybe we'll have that for a year. And then uh, when everybody else is building, they'll see what we did. And we'll be we'll be good for a year. And then somebody will beat us. But uh, with that, we're also going to be doing a lot of fan amenities. Um, we're creating a 360-degree concourse around our entire uh, stadium. Uh, we're adding suites out and outdoor suites out above left, the left field wall. Uh, we're adding a new home plate club behind home plate. And then kind of as an homage to our parent club, the Milwaukee Brewers on an American family field, they have Bernie's slide in the left field corner. We're going to be adding a three-story slide here as well. And uh, the differences between the one in, in Milwaukee and the one here, uh, Bernie is the one that goes down in Milwaukee. We're going to allow all fans to go down our slide here now. Well, Rob Zerjev led into that by saying um, for the player development license agreement. And I think that's an important thing for us to point out. A lot of these renovations are spurred. The impetus behind these being uh, the new longer player development license agreements with Major League Baseball, these 10-year partnerships. And that's great. I mean, it adds so much stability to the minor leagues and uh, it brings a lot of these ballparks more into a modern era because of that agreement and the things that it necessitates. Yeah, precisely. And uh, now we move on to Scott Strickland with the Durham Bulls. Um, you know, a point to make about renovations taking place at AAA ballparks. Um, they have as long a season as they've these teams have essentially ever had um, with opening day on March 31st and having had games go all the way into September. So they've had a smaller window to take care of what they need to take care of. But uh, here's Scott Strickland on uh, why they're doing their renovations. But we're at a weird spot in the, the history of the ballpark where we're we're 27 years old, um, and people often forget that you know we were built for a, a single-A facility. Obviously, we had areas where we could expand, and we did expand to get up to, to AAA standards at the time. Um, but I would argue there's still, or were still, some elements to our underneath that were a little bit on a, a single-A level. Um, I, I think about our, our near and dear to our hearts uh, umpires, as a good example of, of a, a room that 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 needed to be larger, let's let's take it at its basic level. It needed to be larger for those guys to have more room. And it was you know it was built for you know a two man crew. Um, and I use man there specifically as 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 we obviously get into more of this conversation. Um, and then we we've got four man crews the entire time now, and and, and obviously with females popping up um, all across all. Uh, responsibilities in baseball uh, we needed to do something with that as well and in the same league the international league dealing with the same timeline or the rochester red wings here's general manager dan mason this year we focused on the uh, the visiting clubhouse um and specifically adding a a female clubhouse uh to our amenities here at innovative field so um that's where we could pick up the most points uh to get us to become compliant before the 23 season so adding that that female clubhouse is a big deal for us. And coincidentally, we'll have our first ever female staff member, uh, new nutritionist this year. Uh, we've never had a female staff member, so we're looking forward to having her here. And she'll get a chance to uh, break in that new room before uh, anybody else. So, uh, And also looking forward to making the amenities on the, for the visiting teams um, 
you know, much better uh, than what we've had here in the past. So uh, everything is refreshed and new. And- Dan Mason in Rochester, you can feel a little stressed out these days. And Rochester, like a lot of the teams we've talked to, you know, so much is contingent on the weather. Most of the elements are going to be really underground on the clubhouse level that the fans won't see. But one new addition that they'll see is we are going to be adding a new um, video board in left field. So that is something that um, will be installed uh, after the first three games of the season. Um, they'll start demolishing that, uh, the old board, and putting up the new board. And it'll take about a month. Uh, so May 9th, we will uh, launch the new uh, video board. That's the first time that'll be operational for one of our games. So looking forward to doing that for our fans this year. And then, um, you know, part of the project uh, of phase two will also include uh, an improvement. We're going to be expanding our kitchen, which services our fans and the concession stands. Um, so that'll be ongoing during the course of the summer. And then we're also building a new um, building that'll house uh, two batting cages, a weight room, a video room, and some storage as part of the, the Major League Baseball uh, improvement project. Now moving down to double A, here's Andrew Nelson with the Reading Fighting Phils. Uh, once again, th- this ballpark opened in 1951, and the team is in the midst of building a large standalone structure in right field. Um, you know, it's a huge undertaking. We're building a large large facility out in um, right center field at the ballpark. Um, it's really the only space available in our ballpark um, to accommodate it. Uh, our ballpark was built in 1950, so our amenities aren't um, the greatest or the largest. Um, when teams were playing in 1950, uh, they really just needed a place to get dressed and go out and play some baseball. And now, you know, we need weight rooms and large training facilities and dining areas and, um, you know, all the, all the amenities that, you know, players and teams are kind of expecting nowadays. Um, so as part of that, um, with, minor league baseball and major league baseball um there's a new set of standards that each team has to kind of adhere to um so for us instead of trying to piecemeal something together um within our infrastructure that we already have we figured we might as well just basically move everything out to one large building out in the outfield and get to all the requirements and specifications we have to get to and um, kind of make it as easy as possible. And finally, here's Jim Jarecki. Uh, of all the teams that we talked to, uh, the Whitecaps have the largest and most ambitious renovation. It's going to be taking place over the next several seasons, but things are underway now. You know, we're definitely wanting to make sure we make some of the best facilities that we can, including clubhouses, playing field, and field lights. But at the same time, Ben, we, we looked at this as a great opportunity to, you know, reinvent the ballpark as well. We're going on 30 seasons here uh, in West Michigan, and uh, we've got a great affiliation with the Detroit Tigers since 1997. Uh, and obviously through 2023. And, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we have the best facilities possible. And I think that uh, the initial plans that we've gotten through with the expanded clubhouses, the batting tunnels, the hospitality areas, the weight rooms, the health and nutrition centers that the the, the players will have. Uh, and of course, the playing field and then field lights. And we've already done the field lights, which we've upgraded with Musco lighting and uh, the LED lights, which a lot of ballparks are going to. But I'll tell you what, that's a game changer, not only for the players, but the fans themselves, as far as the entertainment aspect goes with, with the game. And, uh, you know, we uh, 
we actually have got a deferral to uh, 2024. So a bulk of our heavy lifting is going to take place starting in August, September of 2023. And that's when we will see the expansion of, of the new clubhouse for the Whitecaps and then the field. So it's it's going to be a, a heavy lift come, you know, next September, next fall, next, next winter. And, you know, we'll be ready to go for opening day of April 2024. Well, as we know, renovations don't just happen out of thin air. They cost uh, some financial obligations from uh, these franchises. And um, Ben, there's always a question of kind of where does this all come from? Is it ticket revenue? Is it public funding? Is it stuff from the parent club? Whatever. Um, But you got some input on that from each of these teams. Right. And there's no set formula like everything else in minor league baseball. You know, the specifics vary across the league. Uh, We'll start with Scott Strickland and Durham talking about his partnership or the team, the Durham Bulls partnership with the city of Durham. We'll probably get right up to 13 million when it's all said and done with the way our partnership works with the city of Durham. Um, they definitely took uh, the brunt of this expense. Um, and, and that's, that's public knowledge. They're going to be at uh, roughly 10 million and we're at, at two and change. Um, we're doing a few things kind of above and beyond the scope of the, of the PDL standard. Um, we also, uh, renovated our retail store, which everyone's uh, it's been the, the deep atmosphere with the ballpark corner store. And if you've been in there on a Friday night uh, during a game, you you were you were bumping elbows with everybody in there. So uh, we took the opportunity with the first floor being demolished to go ahead and expand that area. Uh, in addition to uh, to doing some branding and recognizing our team and, and and our history that we've had and our championships and all the great things that have happened in Durham. Um, Prior to today, we've never had a spot that we've really properly honored those accomplishments and, and those uh, elements of our of our histories. Now, here's Andrew Nelson with Reading talking about uh, all the moving parts in putting this together and uh, the partnerships that are in place to make it all happen. Huge credit to Craig Stein, our owner, the Phillies, and Scott Hunsker, our GM, kind of getting ahead of it. And just, you know, when we knew the um, requirements were going to be coming out, instead of, you know, waiting and seeing what could happen, what will happen, they kind of just jumped right in and started talking with our local officials, um, the state, uh, the city of Reading, the county of Berks, um, and just kind of explaining what the process is, what we're looking to do, and if there was an avenue that um, they could help us achieve the goals that we were going for. Um to, to make that happen, you know, we're building this huge facility mostly for the players and coaches and um, staff to have uh, first-class amenities. But at the same time, when we started talking with all these officials, um, our ballpark's kind of lacking a indoor event space facility, um, and really so is Reading, Pennsylvania as a whole. Um, so you know, as part of this renovation, we're um, also including an event center space on the second floor, 550 person ballroom um, that'll be able to hold indoor events like banquets and weddings. Um, So that really helped us and the state and the city and the county to release these funds and, and help us build this building. From there, we go to Rochester, where uh, Dan Mason is the GM of one of the oldest teams in minor league baseball, the Rochester Red Wings. Now, Innovative Field opened in 1997. It's not one of the oldest ballparks in minor league baseball, but 
still have to figure out ways to continue to make it modern and to accomplish the financial pieces in doing that. We're very fortunate with the leadership that we have here in town at Monroe County um, and that we were able to start this uh, literally the day after the season ended last year, um, they started construction. And the same thing will happen this year for phase two. Everything will be wrapped up uh, by 25 and, and we're working with the county on securing some additional funds to do some other things that'll, um, you know, more fan amenity related uh, projects uh, that we hopefully will be launching before 25 or 26. Now we head back to the Midwest League. We'll hear from Rob Zerjav and then Jim Jarecki uh, talking about their teams, uh, which are fairly unique on the minor league landscape. Uh, they use a lot of private funding to get everything done. We're a little a bit of a unique story. Um, in Appleton, we've always been a community-owned team. And because of COVID, because of Major League Baseball taking over minor league baseball, uh, we ended up uh, selling our club from the community-owned standpoint. And uh, now there's a group of us. There's three owners. I'm, I'm one of those. And the three of us actually own the stadium as well. So we bought the team. We bought the stadium. Uh, so we are not a community-owned facility. We don't, the city doesn't own it. The, the county doesn't own it. So we're a privately owned stadium. Uh, so all the funding came from us. And uh, that's a little unique, but um, we like controlling our destiny and and um, feel good. We didn't have all the red tape to run to kind of jump through. Well, it, it is. You're we're one of the few privately owned facilities. Uh, and we have been since our reception back in 1994. So what that means, and we probably say that when we go out there to, to speeches and community leaders say no taxpayer dollars were taken to build this facility. Uh, on that side, again, though, we have to fund everything. We've got a good relationship with our naming rights partner, LMCU, uh, credit union. And the fact is that, you know, obviously, you know, securing loans that way is a way to go, but we also have limited partners that we're looking to do uh, as far as securing even more of those funding for, for the ballpark itself. But, you know, we're, we're good for the first phase of it. And uh, we know that, that we're going to be able to guarantee fans that that experience that they're going to see uh, for the past 30 seasons is definitely one that they're going to continue to have for the for the next 30 years. Like we said, we're just about a month out from opening day. And I think a lot of these teams, as they look around the ballpark as it exists right now, there could be some anxiety of like, oh my goodness, we're going to be hosting games and welcoming fans in that short amount of time. But there's underlying confidence at the end of the day. But it, we asked all the teams, you know, what are things like right now? And most of these interviews were conducted on February 22nd. Dan Mason was a few days later, uh, but they're speaking where things stand right now as opening day is just about a month away. We'll start with Rob Zerjav in Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, I feel really good about it. When I show some other folks, they they think there's no way we're going to be ready by April 1st. But uh, no, when you, when you see the progress that's made on a daily basis, um, we feel really good um, about where we're at. Pretty much all the work is being done inside now. Um, the clubhouse is really coming along. Uh, walls are up, drywall is going up, paint is going up. Uh, working on uh, the slide might be the one piece that might not be ready for opening day. Uh, but uh, right now, again, a little bit of a mess. Uh, we're in the midst of a, a blizzard that's just coming into the area, so it's going to be very white. Uh, but uh, past that, um, we'll be good. We'll be ready for opening day. And are you going to be ready for opening day? Scott Strickland told me, you know, I'm getting that question probably five times a day. So I made it six, and here's his answer. 
I would say, you know, we, we um, get into the weeds of our project. We, we as an office did not move out of our facility. Um, and we continue to operate our special event um, arm of our operation through the totality of this project. And so it was certainly a challenge um, and, and it's currently a challenge operating a third of, of this uh, interior area of our building while the other parts are, are demolished. Um, Duke Base plays their games here and we just opened the gates for them for their first game this past Friday. And so our construction crews were making it nice and challenging on them. Um, they, they, they weren't able to just drive in, demolish everything, finish it and leave like they would want to do. We're, we're getting in their hair uh, left and right, especially now that Duke has started. Um, but things are on schedule. Thinking about how close we are to getting to the start of this season, it can be the cause of a little bit of stress for general managers around the minor leagues, as Dan Mason let us know in Rochester. Well, my blood pressure goes up quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. but uh, And we're, we've gotten some snow here. It's been a very, very mild winter uh up to this point but really winter has kind of reared its uh ugly head here in the last uh, couple of weeks we had a uh, an ice storm and a couple of good snows uh and we're due for some more snow here um by the end of the weekend but hopefully all that'll be melted and we'll be ready to go uh for uh the earliest opening day we've ever had here in rochester on march 31st so you know in addition to the construction project we have a lot of we have to replace all of our, uh, you know, signage that that has the name of our former naming rights partner, and replace it with uh, Innovative Field um, signage. So that that's a major project. You never really know how many places you mention your your ballpark's name until you go through a, a naming change name change like we have uh, here this year. You know, the West Michigan Whitecaps maybe have a little less going on right now than some of the other teams, but when all said and done, after a couple of years down the road, they'll probably have done more than any other team. Here's where they stand right now. Uh, right now, it's really status quo for, for the ballpark itself. We will start having some construction being done with ex, uh, excavation of, of the third base lawn area. So during the process of the summertime, fans will see a work in progress. Uh, we will have a construction fence located up. So, uh, Good way is that the fans will see progress happening. On, on the other side of it, we do lose that third base lawn area and a picnic area. And Andrew Nelson in Reading, he just talks about how busy he is, and I think that stand that that goes for everybody right now who's dealing with something like this. It's essentially a full time job on top of your full time job. Uh, a lot busier than it normally is right now. <laughs> um, so for this year, twenty twenty three. The building itself will not be ready. Um, we have an extension with Major League Baseball. We're planning to be fully set up and ready for the 2024 season um, inside. So for this year, we are changing out all of our field lights um, to LEDs. So it'll have brighter illumination for uh, the field. It'll have the flashing lights when the home runs are going, different colored lights if we win the game, something like that. Um, and then... You know, the front facade, the field-facing facade of the building, um, our general contractor, Berkey Construction, is working overtime and all hours of the days, weekends, you name it, to get the that side of the ball or of the stadium of the building completed um, for opening day. Um, it's luckily, fingers crossed, we've had great weather. When your ballpark is undergoing renovations, there might not be such a thing as a typical day because there's so many moving parts. But nonetheless, I asked, 
what is a typical day like for you right now? And I uh, got a wide range of answers. You know, earlier I'd said it's like having a second job overseeing renovations in amidst to just preparing for the season as usual. And uh, Jim Jarecki echoed that, literally. He tells us it's really like a second job. Let's hear about it. You know, it's it's, it's really like a second job, Ben. Um, and it's it's an exciting second job, and it, it's, it's an enthusiastic look to the future. Uh, you basically got to take what we've normally done in our offseason, and that's coordinate getting tickets sold, booking events, uh, sponsorship sales, uh, merchandise sales, um, you know, working with the, you know, the Detroit Tigers and, and making sure that we've got things set for them clubhouse wise. Uh, so you just go into this with a positive attitude of, you know what, this is going to be a legacy project. And a legacy project takes time. Uh, you know, we, we've been on this probably a year and a half, two years now, as far as the thought process and the meeting process, getting a lot of people involved in that. And right now, primarily, it's been the architect. It's been the uh, con- construction company. And now we're going to lead into, you know, getting the bids in and then coordinating uh, the, the contractor vendors that will be on site. But you really got to have, you know, that shift model where you're, you're focused on your core business of that being selling baseball tickets. And now you've got this second business that, you know, might take up, you know, a couple hours here and there every day. But uh, as long as it's organized and steering right, and that's really, we keep each other in line. Staying in the Midwest League with Rob Zerjav of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Um, there's so many little details that can easily be overlooked and he's doing his best not to. For me, it's, it's spearheading a lot of the construction. Um, at the same time, we obviously are getting ready for our season and making sure that um, we're selling tickets, selling advertising, um, making sure everything's in line, promotional schedules set, bobbleheads are, are ordered. Uh, but really, you know, if you ask anybody on staff, they'll say, yeah, Rob is busy with construction and it's um, pretty much a daily, a daily occurrence. Um, We'll have pretty much a, a, a weekly weekly meeting every Tuesday um, and Friday, and then it's uh, random emails, calls, pretty much every single day of the week, and it's covering anything from what color should this wall be to uh, the carpet to hey, this isn't what we thought it was going to be. What do you really want? Um, height of this, and and it's there's always something that comes up. Moving back to Reading, Pennsylvania, baseball town, Andrew Nelson talks about just all the communication that's involved. So this is the first time I've ever really been on a construction project and um, you're pretty much on the phone or answering emails 90% of the day, just coordinating um, either changes to a certain, to a specific area of the building or, hey, we need this timeline uh, moved up or this pushed back and, and you're, you're really making um, a basically decision every single day to uh, kind of keep the ball rolling and make sure that you're hitting the, the right timelines and get everything ready and good to go for opening day. It's, I'm sure it's a little different than some teams um, since the building is part of our home run uh, wall. You know, there's a lot of April 11th is our opening day, so that, that's not getting pushed back. Dan Mason in Rochester, I'm sure he's dealing with a lot of emails and phone calls as well, but lots of face-to-face time in Rochester. I didn't have a, a good concept of how many meetings this project would take, um, especially since we were doing just the visiting clubhouse and the, and the female clubhouse. But it's really been um, 
a lot of communication. Um, I, I got to say our partners with the uh, our general contractors and uh, and and uh, the construction management team has really been phenomenal to work with. And the people, you know, so we have meetings. Geez, it seems like almost daily with the, with the county and our construction team. Um, and again, as you mentioned, people on our staff, uh, our clubby, our um, concessions team, um, everybody really putting in their two cents to make sure that this project comes out the way that uh, we're all going to be very proud of. Back to the DBAP, Durham Bulls Athletic Park, where Scott Strickland tells us there's just so much you can't prepare for. You know, we're setting a fire alarm off every six hours by accident, uh, hitting the sprinkler line by accident, uh, making sure we've got just the right plan. You know, we, we, we're, we might be a little bit different than some of the other facilities you've spoken to. We were actually going to try to pull this off last off season. And so we actually started this planning two and a half years ago. Um, essentially, as soon as that new standard came out, we, we got to work. Um, and we just were not able to to get all of our ducks in a row by last fall season. Um, and, and obviously we, we're, we're doing it now. There, there's, you know, you walk through some spaces and you, you forget what decision you made two years ago on the color of the carpet, the color of the cabinet, the countertop. Um, and so that's been a little bit challenging. Unexpected challenges don't always come in the form of uh, geographic or uh, topographic things with ballpark renovations. Sometimes, as uh, Scott Strickland points out in a uh, very specific anecdote, they come in very uh, odd things that you find around your ballpark site. You know, we certainly we certainly found some things in um, in the areas during demolition. One of them, one of them, not suitable for a public uh, podcast, but one of them was actually pretty cool. We were um, we were moving uh, a, a transformer from one side of the building to the other side of the building. And so they had to, uh, electricians had to take some of that apart and, uh, and a, a driver license fell out uh, of the back of the transformer. And so they look at the driver license that expired in 2001. Um, they looked up the, the person on Facebook. Um, some people know this, but we've got a, I, I would argue one of the coolest things about the Bulls is we've got a, a fantastic program that we do for our TV broadcast called Post 50. Uh, it, it's high school kids that, that film and edit and sound and all of that, all of our TV broadcasts. And it's a fantastic program for them as they go into to college and internships and whatnot with, with all the experience um, that they're able to get here. But we found that the driver license belonged to one of those former Post 50 members. And they live in New York uh, and work for, for MLB uh, on the TV side of things which is cool to see that they, they stuck with this program. Uh, so the greatest profession. And so their, their parents still live here in, in town. And uh, her mother the next day came over and picked up uh, uh, the wallet that the driver license was in social security card. I mean, everything was in that wallet, just like it was, you know, fall, fell right out of their back pocket. Rob Zerjav with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. You know, he talks about how you don't just have to account for things inside the ballpark. You have to account for things outside of it as well. We have a lot of land here. We have very big parking lots, but we also have a lot of wetlands around our stadium. And we have a forest to our north, um, which is a protected area. So there's only so much space we can utilize. And one area that we thought we were going to be able to, to utilize just fine, we called them our tailgate grids. They're between our stadium and the interstate that runs to our, our east. 
Um, turns out that that's a detention basin and there's just been a lot of back and forth um, with a lot of different parties, uh, government entities and what we can do, what we can't do. Um, we have to put in a giant pond and then there was a lot of discussion on, okay, here, here's the pond, but then we're going to lose some space for some of our tailgating and how do we reconfigure the pond, but still meet the DNR requirements, but still have space for people to tailgate. And um, at the end of the day, it worked out perfectly and everything that we were hoping it was going to, to be. When I asked Dan Mason with the Rochester Red Wings about unexpected challenges, he didn't have to pause for a second to think about it. I guess they're becoming so frequent that unexpected challenges are expected. Oh, yeah. We have, we've had all kinds. Uh, we had a water main that uh you know the best laid plans literally the best laid plans right we for our new bedding cage building um it happens to be over a water main so at the end of this season we are we had again we had to work with the city on this too uh we have to re uh divert the uh a large water main so that'll tear up our entire vip parking lot the off season um and that'll start literally as soon as the season ends this year. Um, there was also a gas main that had to be moved. So we're having a lot of fun with utilities here in Rochester over the last uh, six months, and we'll continue um, next year once we get into the offseason. Andrew Nelson with uh, the Reading Fight and Fills, you know, they're putting up this large structure in right field, and part of the wall of that structure is going to be the stadium's home run wall. So – Speaking of unexpected challenges, you have to make sure you're doing everything right uh, when you're working on a uh, something that is going to be part of the field of play. The hardest thing for us, I guess, is, um, you know, we need the home run wall up for opening day. Um, so the dimensions are changing, but, you know, certain things aren't finished with the building yet. Um, the fencing from our pool over to the building and from the building over to our deck uh, isn't going to get up until mid-March just with other things going on. So it's trying to work with our sign company that does our wall pads to, you know, can we get these dimensions completed without having a fence up and how best are we navigating getting those pads created and out here and installed. You're, you're kind of working with the construction deadlines, but our own production deadlines to get everything completed at once. And finally, Jim Jarecki with the West Michigan Whitecaps. He stresses that no matter what you're going through, communication is key. Not not really hard examples other than the typical type of construction things that you run into. Uh, and, you know, it simply comes down to the communication factor of making sure that it's documented and making sure that, you know, you got these people on the same team that are, are looking at it the same way. And, you know, we're, we're pulling people, ours, us from the baseball world, facility world, from their architects, from their drawing world, to the construction people saying, you know what, we know what you want to do, we know what you're thinking about, but this is the reality of how things have to go. And the next question I asked uh, everyone I interviewed was, do you have any advice for teams who will soon be going through what you are going through right now? Because um, there's going to be a lot more renovations taking place uh, next offseason as well, uh, for sure. And um, you know, Dan Mason just says, however much time you think you need, Plan for more of it. I would definitely say put aside uh, a lot more time than you think it's going to take because it's going to take a lot of time, and that's okay. You know, you just have to go into it with the mindset that 
It's going to take a lot of time, but at the end of the day, this is going to be great. I think you have to go into it with the mindset of it's not going to be business as usual, at least in our case, um, during the season, because we have so many other projects going on that are going to affect, you know, a couple of our concession stands. One of our bathrooms will be uh, closed for most of the year. Um, you know, there'll be, it'll look like a construction zone. Uh, so the way that we do, for instance, Little League parades, you know, we're not going to be able to take the normal route that we usually take uh, for those Little League parades. And you may think, well, that's not that big of a deal, but operationally it is because it's a, it's a big deal for those fans that are coming out um, that are used to, you know, walking around the warning track. So having to do little things like that, and uh, that's just one small example. And I will you say, gotta, you got to make sure you invest in a really cool construction helmet. That's like, uh, you, these are a must. So uh, you get these for your team and uh, because you're going to need a hard hat to walk around for sure. Safety first. <laughs> Sticking with the International League, moving on to Durham. Scott Strickland says, when it comes to architecture, go with what you know. I think one thing that um, we definitely stalled out to do early on was, um, you know, we went back to the original architect of the ballpark and and, and quickly kind of selected them as our architect um, because we knew that there would be a lot of, of unknowns underneath. And we thought we could cancel out as many of those potential um, buyers, so to speak, put them out um, with, with, with going with our original architect and that that has been invaluable um it, it, literally in terms of the dollars that has probably saved us through this process rob zerjab with the wisconsin timber rattlers his advice is you know, once again he hit on this point before but make sure you know all the details and you get them right you want to make sure everything is is up to up to code the last thing you want to do is build a beautiful facility and for example, your, your batting cages need to be 80 feet long. The last thing you want to do is make them 78 feet long. And it wouldn't have taken anything to make them that extra two feet. But once it's built, it's built. And uh, so I definitely review the plans, make sure that um, it's meeting all of the specs. And uh, that's really the, the, the best advice I can give. Andrew Nelson with the Reading Fight and Fills. His advice is once you say you're going to do this, go all in. My biggest one is probably just to just to go for it. Don't really just try and piecemeal things. If if you're gonna have to adhere to everything, instead of trying to like come up with I don't want to say uh, poor solutions, but you know just yeah, like piecemeal it together. Just just go for it. Go for the gusto. Go for the gusto is a phrase that I need to incorporate more into my uh, everyday life. I have not, I haven't used that a whole lot in my life. Yeah. You know, and when Andrew Nelson said that, and I was looking at the transcript of the interview, I just had that moment where I was like, go for the gusto. That's a strange expression. I mean, it's not strange because we've all heard it before, but when yeah. I kind of thought about it, when I, you know, when I really thought about it, man, <laughs> go for the gusto. And I Googled it and it was a 1970s Schlitz ad campaign. That's really where that saying originated. So. Huh. I had no idea. A little before our time, Tyler, but go for the gusto. Interesting. Drink a Schlitz. I also would have figured, you know, we got multiple uh, team representatives on here. I would have figured that uh, Rob Zerjav was going to be the one to use go for the gusto because I think that uh, Schlitz is based out of Milwaukee, right? It's the beer that made Milwaukee famous. Right. And the Timber Rattlers are a uh, you know brewer's affiliate. It all ties together. 
Too bad, Rob Zerjav. You did not say go for the gusto. Andrew Nelson and Redding did. Uh, Jim Jarecki did not say go for the gusto either. But, you know, he hits on. And this is a, a point that has been made in various forms, but get going. My, my biggest advice would be, you know what, take a step back from your seat at the ballpark. Take a walk around and look at it as the fan. And that comes from driving into the ballpark, walking around the ballpark and start, you know, take the blinders off, if you will, and that you're there on a daily basis and look at it as a newcomer. Look at it as a fan coming in, looking at it as what is what's the future going to be? Well, all these renovations, all this work on these ballparks across the country, of course, is in the pursuit of uh, brighter and better facilities going forward. And uh, these franchises, these general managers, these operations, people have a lot to look forward to, both from a fan perspective, a front office perspective, and a player perspective with opening day right around the corner. What are you most excited for when opening day hits, you know, for the fans to see and for the players to see? And we're going to start with Scott Strickland of the Durham Bulls. I will have to make sure that I'm down at the clubhouse entrance uh, when that first returner uh, gets here from from their drive up from Orlando or or the trot, depending on where they're at at the time, um, because that, that that look on their faces will that that'll bring the whole two and a half years you know together for us. Um, that's one thing I'm specifically looking forward to with with the the conclusion of this project. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see our our um, our clubhouse um, attendants and our clubhouse manager. Um, their their laundry room, you know, is is like triple the square footage of what it used to be. Uh, those guys that spend the most number of hours here um, as a part of our team, um, those guys are people that we really wanted to put a lot of planning in and, and help those guys out because we get a, of how long they're here for and the work that they put in. Um, our umpires, I'm anxious to see. Uh, we'll get a little bit of this with 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 ACC baseball here. Um, and these, you know, a lot of the crews in ACC are, are retired international league guys and crew chiefs. Um, so, you know, currently right now they're dressing in a in a in a men's restroom on the concourse, and and they're excited to see their new palace uh, as well. Um, our mascot goes from essentially a closet to an actual locker room with a locker, a shower. Uh, the, the fact that our, our mascot, Willie Bull, will be able to shower after a game is over will help out everybody in our office as he walks as he walks out. I think Scott Strickland made a great point, you know, talking about clubbies, umpires, the mascot, you know, how many people are affected in their day-to-day lives uh, by a ballpark renovation, you know, of course, for the better in almost every case. Um, Rob Zer- or uh, excuse me, I'm getting my Midwest League entities mixed up. Jim Jarecki with the West Michigan Whitecaps. Uh, you know, he focused on the players and, you know, that's one of their priorities right now as they go through this multi-year, multi-phase renovation project. For the players, it's definitely going to be the clubhouse, uh, clubhouse, weight room area, uh, batting tunnels. Uh, and that is the reason why, because things have changed so many, so much over the years where, you know, it used to be they get to the ballpark, change into the uniform, go on the field and then you leave. And now it's like, get to the ballpark early, your workout regime, uh, routine, uh, your, your pregame routine, your health and nutrition. These guys are going to be able to come here and feel like top-notch professionals. They're going to see the ballpark that we, you know, we've invested in, in the ballpark. Rob Zerjab with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Um, you know, from a fan perspective, 
I think the coolest thing and the most noticeable thing about their renovation is that slide in the outfield uh, modeled after the one that Bernie Brewer will go down uh, in the Timber Rattlers case. All fans will have an opportunity to go down this slide that will not be quite ready for opening day, though it will open earlier in the season. But there's still other elements that Rob is looking forward to come opening day. But I, I had a chance to be in our, our left field outdoor suites and just the view. You you wouldn't think it would be that big of a difference, but it's it's about 20 feet high off the ground. And it's it's not necessarily the green monster in, in, in Boston, but it gives you that kind of feel and you're high up and it's just a beautiful view of the facility and something that, again, I've been working here for 25 years and I've never have seen that angle of our stadium before being that high above the wall. So I'm excited that everybody will be able to walk around the facility and see, kind of take in those type of views. Keeping with the fan perspectives, Andrew Nelson from Reading is really excited for the fans to come in and see their ballpark on opening day, because this new structure in right field is going to, you know, really transform uh, the ballpark itself and the way fans take in a game. Now that the structure's up, the steel's up, they're, uh, laying the brick on the front face of the facade. I mean, it's it's like a wow moment walking into the ballpark and seeing the building. Um, it encompasses basically from the batter's eye. It's over to our pool, so it's, it's about a 30,000 square foot building. So it's very large. It, it kind of changes the landscape of the stadium in the outfield, but it's it's really, really, it's a really big wow moment. You know, Dan Mason with the Rochester Red Wings, they opened their season on March 31st, which is, you know, unprecedentedly early. And March 31st in Rochester, uh, you might not have the best weather. But Dan, like he has uh, for years and years, has issued his 50-degree guarantee for opening day. So it's going to be at least 50 degrees in Rochester on opening day. And, uh, and Dan mentioned that he's excited for that. Um, but I think he really sums everything up here about opening day, how special it is, and you know, for everyone involved in a renovation, just to see the the fruits of your labor being used and enjoyed is going to be a really special thing for the Red Wings and for every team we talk to and for every team that has undergone any sort of renovation in this, the 2022-2023 offseason. You know, opening day is always such a great, it's always one of the best days of the year. Um, you know, hope uh, springs eternal, right? Everybody's tied for first. Uh, you know, there's just a great mood in the ballpark that the winter is finally over, hopefully. And, uh, I mean, I do guarantee it's going to be at least 50 degrees on opening day. So we got that going for us. Um, but I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, it's one thing to see the, you know, the, the fruits of all this construction and the meetings and everything, uh, come to fruition and, and, uh, know what it took to get it to look like this. Well, this has been awesome. And it makes me so ready for the start of the season because, uh, you feel over a long cold off season, sometimes like the spring is never going to come. And then you listen to something like this and you realize like, Oh yeah, they've been working the entire off season to make sure that this season is going to be better than the last, which was better than the one before, which was, but you know, uh, so that's very cool. And, uh, a huge thanks to all of these organizations for giving their input. And, uh, especially to Ben, uh, you worked your tail off to get all these interviews done and, um, and piece all of this together. This is super cool. And yeah, it very much makes me feel like, Oh, we are so close to getting back to the, uh, the warmth and um, congeniality of a minor league baseball season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did enjoy talking to, you know, all five of these individuals, just getting that on the ground 
look and perspective of what it is to you know go through these renovations um yeah it was more labor intensive than a typical episode and um so yes thanks to me thank you for saying that tyler but also you know thanks to you as we talk right now as we talk at this moment um you're the one now who has more work to do because there's a lot more editing involved uh than usual and of course <clears throat> no thanks to sam dykstra who ditched us and just went to Florida. Exactly. Uh, which, you know, I'm glad he's getting what he deserves. Finally. I'm glad that he's getting called out for his, uh, his sheer audacity and going down to be on a beach in a warm climate working. I'm doing the air quotes, but you can't see that because it's an audio only medium. Um, no, we're, we're super excited for, uh, for what Sam's got going on right now down at the Grapefruit League. Uh, we will have Sam back on the show next week, of course. And uh, also going forward, month to month we're going to continue doing themed episodes like this april is going to be really cool ben we've got something on tap for uh for fans not only of minor league baseball but especially fans of this podcast yeah absolutely um we'll get more and more familiar with this uh once a month themed episode uh format if you have any you know thoughts on it or you know feedback we'd, we'd love to hear from you and speaking of hearing from you your thoughts and feedback april's episode coming in the first week of april whatever the first friday of april is we could look at a calendar but we don't do that here on the show before the show podcast the first friday of april no no way too much work it's going to be kind of sort of in conjunction with opening day not kind of sort of in conjunction with opening day we're going to do a episode dedicated to you the fans and listeners uh we're going to speak to a bunch of people who are minor league baseball fans uh either who are maybe have a specific relationship with this podcast uh, that they want to share or just people who are minor league fans and take it to the next level in any number of different ways, shapes, and forms. So I have a few people uh, in mind who I want to reach out to. I'm sure Sam and Tyler do as well. We'll try to include as many as possible, but if you think you'd like to be featured on the show before the show, uh, you know, talking about either, your relationship to this podcast and of course just how much you like it love it i mean or just your minor league more importantly your minor league baseball fandom in general what you do that makes it unique you know whether it's the amount of games you go to keeping score um you know the relationships you have at the ballpark with certain people or relationships that have been forged at the ballpark uh things you collect uh, podcasts you host that aren't this one. I mean, this is the best minor league baseball podcast, but all due respect to others, of course. Obviously. Uh, but we're going to try to get a lot of different perspectives and, uh, you know, reach out to us. I guess the best avenue for this would be the uh, the podcast email, which is... The Tyler. old inbox, podcast at MILB.com. You can get in touch with us there. Um, yeah, send us your... Uh, we get so many cool emails and so many fun notes and, um, you know, great feedback on our episodes and uh you know we we really are very um i think this this is a very hyper overused term in the world today but i think we are really blessed with how many cool people are into this podcast and and like to be in touch with us and uh yeah if you would like to share your story of uh how you came across the show before the show or how you fell in love with minor league baseball get in touch podcast at milb.com and that's so we that. hope to hear from as many people as possible yeah but that's next month. For now, we've still got a, a lot of March ahead of us, and uh, this episode will be out on March 3rd. So we're going to be doing episodes on March 10th, 17th, 24th, 31st, 
We still have four March episodes to get through. Uh, some things planned for those, some we have not yet planned. Um, and some of the things we don't have planned is because there are things we don't even know about that we right. know we'll be talking about as the month goes on, of course, with all these releases of uh, new alternate identities, promo schedules, um, just all the uh, information, hopefully some new concession items. I haven't seen much uh, food-related news yet. Definitely want to focus on uh, creative promotions in general. If I could go on a slight... Uh, not a rant, but I think the industry is dipped in the number of creative and just absurd, weird theme nights. So when they come around, I really want to highlight them and really use my soapbox to say, get weird. Minor league baseball needs to get weirder. It's still weird compared to most other professional sporting entities, but let's get weirder. Let's think of the ways in which we can be more unique, creative, weird, irreverent, cheeky. Even oh, I like cheeky. Yeah, as a description, that's a very good word for minor league baseball. Um, so you got all that to look forward to as the month of March rolls along and opening day just a few weeks away. We're so excited for it. One extremely selfish plug before uh, we get out on this week's episode of the show. Before the show next week, uh, the World Baseball Classic gets underway. I'll be in Taijung, Taiwan, on the call with Ryan Roland Smith. You can tune into those games. Fox Sports One, Fox Sports Two. The Tubi app here in the United States, MLB Network internationally, uh, if you're interested in tuning in for the WBC. Ryan and I will be on the call for game number one uh, from Taijung at noon local time on March 8th, which is 11 p.m. Eastern time on March 7th. 8 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're uh, if you're on the, the West Coast, uh, a very normal viewing hour for a baseball game. But uh, tune in. Follow along with the WBC. Tons of prospect talent. Uh, this is going to be the best classic yet. And uh, so excited to be a part of it. And had to get one selfish plug in before we got out. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, I, of course, I knew that that was imminent. But I think I forgot. As we're here talking on March 2nd, you're flying. Uh, you're flying out. What? In Saturday. Saturday. And now by uh, the time people hear this, it'll be tomorrow because we. Yeah. So you, your departure is imminent. Yes. And have I started packing, Ben? No, I have not. <laughs> I did no. actually earlier this week. I made sure to put my passport and my scorebook in my backpack because those are the only two. Like I could, you know, if I forgot all of my clothing, they have clothing in Taiwan. I could I could buy something. But if I forgot my scorebook, if I forgot my passport, can't get there anyway. Forgot my scorebook, I'm a waste. This is pointless. <laughs> so I got the two most important things. So those are ready. But yeah, Saturday morning flying to uh, San Francisco. Uh, Ryan Roland Smith, uh, former minor leaguer, former major leaguer, former Team Australia WBC participant and Olympian. Uh, he and I are actually going to be on the same flight to Taipei. So that's pretty cool. And um, yeah, man, I'm going to watch everything everywhere all at once because I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to do that on the flight. Uh, and you know, nervously prep for broadcast, but I'm pumped. I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and we're looking to looking forward to talking to, to you about all this and learning about the WBC and just these little nuggets you can't get anywhere else. Like yeah. the one you just dropped that they have clothes in Taiwan. They I do. Who knew? You know, yeah. other places around the globe, you can get food, clothes, all the things that you enjoy, all the comforts of home you have elsewhere. It's wild. Wow, that is why people tune into this podcast. <laughs> Well, this is a fun one and uh, a tremendous thanks uh, to everybody for joining us and uh, and to Ben for putting in so much legwork for this week's episode of the show before the show. Really excited for our fan-centric episode uh, in April. We're going to have a ton of fun with it. And uh, for Benjamin Hill, 
the absent beach-dwelling Samuel P. Dykstra. My name is Tyler Mon. Josh Jackson returns with Ghost of the Miners next week. And uh, this is a bunch of fun. We'll talk to you again.